What's up, Wildcatters? Have you heard about Collide yet? It's the newest community hub for the next generation of energy professionals. Collide.io is where you need to be if you're looking to connect, learn, and grow in this dynamic industry. And don't miss out on Collide GPT, our cutting edge AI chat designed specifically for the energy sector. It's like having an industry expert right at your fingertips. Join thousands of your peers who are already making the most of this incredible resource. Head over to Collide.io and sign up today. That's Collide.io. The future of energy is here. Don't get left behind. This podcast is brought to you by EnergyX. Are you tired of paying huge rates to the big cloud providers? Are you worried about being booted off a cloud platform if your company doesn't meet their ever-shifting standards? Ready to step up your data security and disaster recovery game? Well, ladies and gentlemen, your new cloud is ready. Introducing xCloud, the scalable, resilient computing cloud that is also actually affordable. It's high-performance compute for half the cost. HPC for HTC. xCloud from Red Team is opening a beta program for new cloud computing customers, and that means you, my friend. The xCloud is powered by the XMDC Immersion Cooled Modular Data Center from EnergyX. I've seen this data center in operation, and it is a total game changer. So if you want more information about the beta launch, go to the URL in the description. Type in promo code BETA, B-E-T-A, for 50% off of your first instance. And so the URL is going to be digitalwildcatters.com forward slash energy. This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. All right, cool, man. Well, dude, we got you back down in Houston from Mexico. Today yeah. on the show, we have Tim Taylor, which always, whenever I say your name, yeah, it just brings up home improvement. Yes. Which I can know you get that a lot. Everyone and says I've that. Heard, and I've heard you made that, but it, like I never say your last name. And just like saying your last name right there, I was like, yeah, that does like <laughs> instantly take me back to home improvement. What's funny is, uh, so, you know, born and raised in Montreal, we have a coffee chain called Tim Hortons. Yeah. And people would hear my name and it, they would skip home improvement just go like oh like like tim hortons <laughs> yeah like, so, so depending on if you're in canada the default to tim hortons tim and if hortons. you're in the us it's home improvement which you have now one in katie you got a tim hortons in katie? I have a tim hortons in katie yeah i didn't know that yep. i've always heard about tim hortons and heard it's great um, from the canadians so and i trust that they have good coffee so i'll have to check it out yeah. but <laughs> so midnight marketing yes. um dude yeah, you've been in Mexico for the last year. Uh, your yeah. wife, Macy, got transferred down there to Slumberjay. Yeah. Um, you know, following y'all's chronicles of moving. Um, I have a lot of empathy uh, for you. And I was like, I will never do that in my life. And so I appreciate the uh, learning lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, but when we mentioned that we've moved to Mexico for our visas, people automatically assume that, am I close enough here? Yeah, you're um, good they automatically assume that they think Cancun or they think resort. And we moved to a place called Villa Hermosa. Yeah. Um, or Villa Hermosa. And Which, as you told me, is the West Texas of Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And so you talk about like energy poverty and like just it's it's rough. Um, but it put things in perspective for sure. So yeah. a lot more grateful for things. Yeah. yeah. There's so much convenience when it comes to living in North America and just like the, the coordinate privilege of being born in a place like this. It is crazy, right? I yeah. mean, even just... 
I saw Missy posted a story of uh, H-E-B and yeah. how much she missed H-E-B. And I was uh, a messenger and told her that uh, I had this intern come down here from Boston. Okay. I mean, this Boston. I mean, this is in the United States. Nice place. And yeah. he came down to Texas and could not believe H-E-B in like the size of our grocery stores. And yeah. so even in the United States, like, you know, here in Texas, we take that stuff for granted where you can just walk into a grocery store and have everything imaginable it expands too like my favorite chips are miss vicky's yeah and now they have a new line of like air fried miss vicky's which is like a lower <laughs> calorie and like every flavor that you can think of yeah just <laughs> so cool but it's good to be back yeah um, yeah you know. so you know for um anyone that doesn't know you i'm sure a lot of listeners know you but uh tell us a little bit about what you do what midnight marketing is and we'll kind of dive into it a bit yeah, so Midnight Marketing is a marketing agency. Um, we started about three and a half years ago now, so relatively young, and we focus on branding, on websites, and on marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, that third piece there was digital marketing, but we actually dropped the digital, and now we're going to focus more so just on small marketing um, itself, yeah. so like in real life events as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, our team, we have a couple team members here. Uh, most of our team is in Montreal. That's where our creative mm-hmm. office is. Yeah, and um, we focus on the oil and gas sector. Yeah, I got a couple of. We'll talk about the team being in Montreal because you yeah. know it's not a very when I at least I've never been there, so I can't speak on Montreal. But I don't think of it as like a very friendly oil and gas uh, city. So yeah. we'll dive into like that dynamic here. Yeah, in a little bit. But you know, first let's let's roll it back a little bit because you know you're a serial entrepreneur. When I first met you, I think we met in like 2018, 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, actually, I mean, you were here in the early days of digital wildcatters and yeah. we saw these opportunities around marketing and, yeah. th- and content and things of th- this nature. And, but before that you had a watch company yep. and which I wore those watches all over the place. I fucking loved them, uh, by the way. And y'all's content and, your uh marketing around that brand was great you know i think that you have a really um unique skill set around branding and design and thank you um you know being married to macy you got exposure to oil and gas um you know through her connections in slumberjay and started to see this opportunity of like hey like all these oil and gas companies suck at marketing and branding and so taking your skill set and applying it uh to that you know is there anything that i'm not articulating and like that opportunity set that you saw there no man that's it's so dead on so like as you know being an entrepreneur like you have to wear a lot of hats marketing becomes one of those hats that you Mm -hmm. wear you gotta you know wear your accounting hat as well um and then that's the that's the um part of the business that i fell most in love with you know starting businesses yeah and um and so, yeah, seeing so much opportunity. Actually, in this room is where, like, you, myself, Jake, yeah, Carl at the time, you know, yeah, those damn, like, the yeah. Early days. that was a long time we ago. We get here yeah. at, like five a.m. Yeah, and yeah, we had so many good memories. We had man. a whiteboard up on this wall. It's so funny for anyone that doesn't know that's listening to this. This podcast studio that we're in was our original podcast studio. This building used to be a big co-working space, and we rented out this room. And this room was podcast studio it had desk our podcast table was a kitchen uh table from jake's garage right. and you know i had some lights and so like really rinketing setup compared to what we have today but yeah that was uh man it seems like yesterday it be does honest. <laughs> and it's so cool it's like i step back in here now and it's like now you have this like you it's almost this entire building is digital walk headers yeah which yeah is it wild. is kind of yeah it is kind of crazy to think about but yeah you know i think what was interesting about those the those early days back then was that 
you know, the writing was on the wall. And actually, I don't even know if you know this, but before Digital Wildcatters, I'd started a marketing agency called Amplify Media. I was like, there's all of the, and this was in 2016. I was like, there's all this opportunity and I couldn't land a single client. Mm. Like just no one was, maybe I wasn't articulating well. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, we just started creating content ourselves. <laughs> we, we got lucky with COVID. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings about that time, that period. But for us, we got incredibly lucky because customers couldn't go see their, mm. their customers anymore. Yeah. Our customers couldn't go see their, their prospects. Yeah. And so without that, I don't know if we'd be here, you know, that's actually, yeah. I mean, that is an interesting point. I mean, you think about what COVID did, it definitely changed dynamics. I mean, even, you know, we take a lot of sales calls that are zoom calls that might not have like that kind of be weird before yeah. COVID, you know, and now it's just acceptable and that's kind of the way that it is. And so, um, yeah, when in 2020, I mean, the same thing that we saw digital wildcatters is like, everyone's locked down in their house. Like this is our opportunity to create content and get yeah. in front of them. And so it makes sense that other companies needed a way to get in front of people. It was so interesting. I remember seeing the, the first, um, it was like mid 2020 and I saw a directional driller uh, post a TikTok on LinkedIn. And I thought, okay, like from this point on, things have changed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, for you sure. know, that was like a signal of like, okay, something, there's some fundamental change here. Yeah, and for some businesses, it was like, it was horrible. It's just for ours with with marketing, we see marketing, great marketing as like great storytelling. And like, it was a way for customers to communicate their story to, again, their their audience or build yeah. audiences. Yeah. So And so, and y'all mainly focus on oil and gas and energy yep. companies uh, specifically. Yep. And so, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about your workforce being in Montreal, yeah. um, you know, the dynamic, because some people may be like, oh, why are you not based in Houston? And like, I know the answer for that because I mean, this industry, it's a technical industry. It's not a creative industry. And that's right. why it struggles with these things. Lots of creatives up in places like Montreal, for example. Um, and so one, I'm going to give you a couple of questions here. It's yeah. going to be loaded. But uh, first question is, you know, a dynamic of a place like Montreal being kind of a liberal leaning place, probably doesn't have a lot of oil and gas fans building a company that helps oil and gas companies there. I want yep. to hear about that. And then two, uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, teaching creatives about the oil and gas industry, you know, they're working with some very technical, you know, directional drilling company, for yes. example, these are technical things. Um, and so tell me about like what it's been building the the team and kind of company culture well yeah so again i was born and raised in montreal so obviously i have some some ties to um montreal as a city and, and as, a, as a place um it, it montreal is beautiful uh there's there's so much culture there's so much art there's um it's a i've heard it's great i need yeah. to come up there and visit y'all sometime it, it's it's one it's one of my favorite cities in the world but i that wasn't the intention initially i i was looking for houston it was just a weird time. Uh, things were locked down. I was trying to find graphic designers here. And with the salary price points that I was looking at and the price points that I wanted to be for customers, it, there was just a mixed match of like, I, I couldn't make it work. Yeah. Um, and I, I needed to find other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I was also trying to find graphic designers in oil and gas. And so really like that Venn diagram, like the price was just too high. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people that I was speaking to, like they had just got, they just got let go from a, an operator or a service company. Right. Yeah. And, um, and they were used to salaries that we just, again, couldn't be competitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I looked to Montreal and, um, yeah, I mean, 
it was d difficult at first to get people like people people equated oil and gas to tobacco right mm -hmm. yeah but something's changed like in the last year like we get people on and like they see what we're doing and they see that we're you know affiliated and connected to like digital wildcatters and yeah. see what social octane's doing and it's yeah. like this is we're creating something that's very unique yeah and very needed yeah you know um over the last few months i've seen this as well i've been doing some tests to see can i attract people to digital wildcatters from outside of oil and gas from other cities and like an example is found this fucking rock star up in new york city and um, she does event sales and sponsorships and, you know, she's done $8 million in sales last year by herself. And, um, you know, I'm in several meetings with her and not only is she so hyped about digital wildcatters and oil and gas, the job was remote. And she's like, I want to move down to Houston and be in the office with y'all. Right. And so I think that this, there's this dynamic of a shift in the culture and perception of the industry because it's like oh this isn't boring and stale like it was five years ago yeah. 10 years ago and it actually is very interesting work in an industry and so you start kind of teaching the world about it and then all of a sudden it's, it's easier to recruit into it and so it's so humbling to be a part of it too because like what you're saying like digital wildcatters has played such a huge part in that you know ftb massive part in that social like like i think that we're the adjacent to all of us like we're we're leveling this up yeah and i think it's pretty cool to yeah. now see the ramifications of what that's doing yeah the second third order effects like the ripple effects of yeah. what that actually means for for the industry and yeah you know um I, I think that when i looked at oil and gas like in 2016 i compared it to silicon valley and tech yeah and why did i want to go work in silicon valley just because of like it just looked cool yeah right and yep. so just about looking cool and you know it's you always part of it yeah. it really it really it's branding right yeah and storytelling and so yeah i i think that all of these things are super important you know i was talking to um there's this uh lady over on tiktok and she works for um i think she works for mi swaco mm. anyways um she's blowing up you know on her tiktoks she shows people like what life is like on an offshore rig like I messaged her, I was like, hey, I just want you to know how important the work is that you're doing. And you probably don't even know that. Like, you're probably just like, oh, hey, I'm getting views on TikTok and like yeah. showing people, you know, what offshore life is. I was like, but this stuff is extremely important. Um, and so I just think that the rise of like content creators out in the field, storytelling, you know, things like what we're doing, what Midnight Marketing is doing, FTB, all of these things compound and kind yeah. of build up this this image. And so... That can't be, um, you know, stated enough. And I think what's cool now is like you're starting to see like traditional oil companies, OFS companies yep. start to drag along with that too, right? And so, and I think that that's what. So going back to the team, what's so exciting about I think if you're in marketing and you see this industry, you're starting with typically a company that has a blank canvas mm -hmm. or or somewhat a blank canvas, and so you can really paint like. Our job is to get the soul out of our cut, like bring the soul of who they are into some sort of marketing plan, yeah. branding plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the canvas is pretty bare in terms of like what to compare it to. And so, um, so it's like we aren't being compared to anything else. And so I think yeah. that that gives the freedom of creativity. And that, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it gives you some pretty wide parameters to operate.
Let's yeah, you, could, you can get inspired by like a Nike campaign and say, oh, you know, I like what they did there. I can bring this into, you know, uh, you know, a drill bit and see how we can like match these campaigns. Yeah. Like, there's so many different things you can do. Yeah. Um, That's what, like a big thing for me has always been like, I look at, like, I look for inspiration in other industries, yeah. other companies. And <laughs> actually, it's pretty funny. We just shot some commercials uh, with these actors for Clyde Pro. And I told Bossel, I said, hey, do you remember those Apple commercials back in the day where you had an old guy and you had a young guy and the old guy was the PC, the yes. young guy, and he had just like blank face. He's too young. He had, okay. he had no idea what I was talking about. And I, was like, I was like, yeah. all right, dude. I was like, let's go watch it on YouTube. And um, anyways, uh, so we yeah. recreated our own. So it's like you can take elements of other things that you see and it's like, yeah, how can you apply that to a drill bit, which like on the surface, like a drill bit seems boring. But it's like, no, you can actually you can create brand and yeah, you can. good storytelling around these things. And that's a really good point to what you just brought up is like, you know, you can take, you can be very innovative with your marketing and take what you've seen in the past and what's been successful and just find a way to blend it in into what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's one of my, my favorite Apple campaigns. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's great. Like it's really? burned in my, burned in my mind for all of my life. And so, yeah. So for y'all's services, you know, and actually, uh, I mean, Midnight's been a great partner for us, helping us with our marketing um, on our events. So, yeah. um, you know, nothing but great things to say about the team over there. Um, tell me a little bit about, earlier you alluded to, you have uh, several different offerings or yeah. services that you guys really focus on. Let's kind of take it through, you know, if a OFS company is listening and they want to engage with y'all, you know, what that, what that process actually looks like and what y'all can help out with. Yeah. So again, it's three divisions, it's branding, it's websites and it's marketing. Okay. And I say it in that order because it, you know, midnight didn't come out of this thesis or this business plan. It was just very organic. And so we're in those three divisions because that's where we saw the mm -hmm. most need. Yeah. And it started with branding and then they would naturally say, Hey, okay, now we need a website. Okay. Now we need marketing. Yeah. And so, um, so typically for a branding project, that's, that's a bigger project. Yeah. Um, that might be, you know, three to six months of work yeah. working alongside yeah. a customer. And again, we're, we're trying to pull out the soul of who is this? Like, yeah. who, who are you guys? Who do you want to be? Um, no one's going to know more about their customers than them. So we don't pretend to know more about their business than, yeah. than they do. Our job is to understand and then, and then prescribe, you know, a branding solution, which is going to be a long-term play and then marketing solutions, which is going to be a little bit, you know, shorter term. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we try to get them to try out marketing pretty quick because again, there's short-term objectives that we could hit. Yeah. Branding is a longer play. Yeah, I mean, on the marketing front, probably low-hanging fruit where you can get some quick wins together, yes. start building up a relationship. I mean, branding and brand overhauls, I mean, that's a that's a big task. It to, takes time. Yeah. Like, you think about, like, digital wall catters, like, that's many, many years into the making, yeah. right? And, like, yeah. for us, branding is perception. So, like, when you think digital wall catters, like, you know, if we had 100 people in this room and we were to say digital wall catters, like, what do they all think about yeah. that brand? That's what brand is, not what yeah. we tell you it is. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. So that takes time. Yeah. It's reputation. So, you know, what's the, what's the, I see you, you know, share your Instagram stories and, you know, I'll do, actually, I'll do some really great fucking work on, uh, like, animations. Thank you. And things of that nature. I love and that stuff. I appreciate that because, like, I know that stuff's super hard to make. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not easy. I mean, we have some really great content creators on our team on DW, and, um, like, they wouldn't, you know, they don't have that skill set to make that stuff. And so this is, like, very cool graphics. And 
actually i was talking to you the other day because it's like man if we could create graphics like that and do like voiceovers for like tiktoks like they would crush i was just like it's so uneconomic <laughs> to yeah to create them and and to do them but it seems like y'all crush it um and and customers really enjoy those so that's been something that y'all spend a lot of time on we're always trying to make the the best customer experience possible so and we're always trying to make sure that our product is the best mm -hmm. right so i get asked a lot especially recently about like ai tools i'm like well if it fits into like making the customer experience better then great we're not gonna look at the technology and find a way to market it like we're gonna work we're gonna reverse engineer it like what do the customers need and how can we create the best customer experience um with the best services possible yeah and that's, let's, talk, let's talk about that a little bit yeah. like how do you think about utilizing ai with within midnight marketing internally yeah um because you know i look at the business and you know you and i have talked and you know it's service business people business and so it's like how can you do more and like scale people's efforts have y'all found anything um through ai that helps y'all in y'all's workflows or the creative process because like gpt for example i find to be like a great catalyst for ideas of like that cold start problem of yeah. like just get started so have y'all been utilizing that at all to oh, help your business yeah we use probably eight to ten uh tools but we're, we don't just jump on the latest tool yeah so like i myself i'll check out one to three tools a week yeah and and most of them honestly are junk or they're not average like they're not doing what they're advertised there's so much trash out there because a lot of them are just I mean, GPT wrappers with a, a, you know, it's very thin and like they're, they're junk, but yeah. And one I've been playing around with is Jasper yes. and I think Jasper has some good potential and we've been using it, but, um, that's you know, the, the, the copywriting AI tool, right? Yeah. And what it does, um, before GPT came out with build their GPT, it's like, you could upload, like you could train the model with your collateral. So all of our events, we could upload all of our um decks and everything on that so had factual information on what is empower what is energy tech right. night and then you know i'd have it analyze all my tweets so that it could create a frack slap voice and i found like the frack slap voice doesn't really sound like me but it all it's actually a really good tone for the company mm, and so okay. now you can go and say hey we need to generate an email campaign for empower with Frax Labs voice, and it'll take all the factual data from the Empower material and then write it in a tone of Frax Lab. And so I think stuff like that's like really promising and really cool. But to your point, I mean, there's just so much noise out there and not a ton of signal. Yeah, for us, it needs to fit into that that um, mission of like creating the best customer experience. And if it doesn't, then yeah, we're, we're not gonna fumble with tech and then build it out to to match the customer's needs. We're gonna yeah. start with the customer's needs. Yeah, right? so for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, being down in Mexico, I mean, it seems like sometimes y'all don't even have power or Wi-Fi. Yeah. So tell me about like the last year of running the running the business and I mean, all the stress that you had, you know, in the personal life of moving. I mean, what were, what were the challenges operating internationally? Internet, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah, number like, one. But is that decent internet? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could live anywhere in the world. I just need like internet and like some sort of gym you know <laughs> yeah. uh that's pretty much it and so i found a gym but internet was definitely an issue yeah it was tough um but some of the good things that came out of it was extreme delegation like yeah n like a year and a half ago because we were in Villa hermosa for a year and a half yeah a year and a half ago like i was the main point of contact for almost the entire team and mm -hmm. like now we have a hierarchy and we have a chain of command yeah and kind of forced you 
to course, figure out yeah. your systems and processes and delegation, right? Which is really good because yeah. like entrepreneurs, as you know, it's like that's it's so hard to delegate because you're you're always in this battle. Like, well, I can just do it. I can do it faster and better. Yeah. Um, it's but, actually funny. Like Julie, for instance, really struggles with that. And actually, you and Julie have like very similar yeah. person like skill sets, personalities, yes. and so. Like for me, I'm like, dude, the best part of being an entrepreneur is hiring other people to do the work. I'm like, take it, take it all. And so I have like kind of the, I'm weighted towards the opposite end of that. But yeah. I mean, when, you know, people like you and Julie are so like, you're a great executor and just get shit done and you do really high quality work. And so, yeah, like I could see struggling with that where it's like, not only can I do it better, but I can also do it faster. And so, um, kind of pigeonholes you into getting stuck into that it's something that i'm working on yeah uh, for sure because yeah. i mean i still like uh one of our team leads had mentioned this the other day in the in the elevator at the office in uh, montreal she's like you know sometimes you have like some serious like like it's almost like reality distortion with like timelines like they're very unrealistic <laughs> but you know my but uh, let me defend you real quick yes Be because before i do it for myself i was gonna yeah yeah yeah, yeah let me do it for you <laughs> <laughs> that's how you make shit happen like yes. is by having, I mean, a lot of people like to bash Elon for having these unrealistic timelines, but look at what Elon has been able to achieve. And it's because they, you know, they push themselves. And even, you know, a few weeks ago we said, okay, we have eight weeks until the end of the year. What's the important work for the next eight weeks? And, um, one of the, one of the goals was to get a thousand hours of content into our content library. And I said, that's not good enough. I said 3,000 hours. And they're like, oh, dude, they just passed it. Like, there we go. Push people. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you raise the bar. And even if you come up short, you're probably better off than what that original conservative goal was. So, I think that there's some tension there. Like, you got you to gotta balance that and not make things just, you know, extremely it's, unrealistic. But it's that window, yeah. you know? And I think um, as, as CEOs, as leaders of a company, like we do maybe, you know, we aim for the stars, but I think that that is a good thing, yeah. right? To your point. Yeah. Um, Cause if we don't push our teams, who will, right? Like if you just take someone on their word and like, well, that can't be done. I'm going to do what I can. If you just take them on that, then it'll always be just whatever that is. And yeah. That's probably going to be mediocre. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So finding that, that balance of like how much to push, but not so much that it's demotivating if you can continuously hit, you know, miss your mark. Yeah. You don't want right? to keep failing. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, that's what you, you need some wins and be like, oh shit, we crushed that. And so that's what I was getting at is like, you don't want to, you don't want to set such high targets to where you're constantly, um, but it's, them, like, so. it's wild because now, you know, you got me thinking like when we, when we first started, we turn out a website and like three to four weeks yeah you know like yeah. maybe even like and that was like to the moon for me i was like why is this taking so long it should take like a week we should, <laughs> you know and now like now we have a process in place and like the product is so much better but it's like three months yeah and so i would still say that we're we're much quicker than most of our competitors yeah are, are the levels good yeah you're yeah. good okay i'm checking um, my timer over here i usually sit on that side so oh, okay. i can't see i'm upside down over here looking at the board <laughs> I think we're, we're 30 minutes in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, when we first started, like the, the designer was the engineer that would develop the site. Okay. And for a while that was me. Yeah. Right. And so you become the copywriter, you become the graphic designer. But the thing is like the product then versus now, it's not even close. I was chatting with our VP of operations two days ago and I'm like, you know, cat, like the stuff that is coming out of midnight today is just like 
I would hold it against anyone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And this is not like me drinking our Kool-Aid. Like now, yeah. like we went from like good to like this stuff is, is great. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the bar, the bar for the team is so high now. Yeah. And it's so obvious when something falls short. Yeah. You know? It sticks so, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're the same with the team too. It's like very obvious when we bring someone on, if they're going to connect within the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. we just know if it's, if it's going to, you know, vibe yeah he always you know going back to talking about that lady from new york that wants to move down here i was like man i'm really nervous about that it's like let's work a little bit because like you know within the first two weeks if someone's gonna fit or not i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious but if you raise the bar for the talent that you're bringing on it makes sense to me that you can also see the bar raise for the quality of work yes that y'all are putting out as well and i mean y'all put out amazing work now and you know, Thank for, and it's actually funny. I wrote this post today about bootstrapping versus funding and like the challenges of bootstrapping because yeah. it's fucking hard, but you bootstrap this company and um, have grown it within cash flow. So congrats because that's fucking. Thank you. It's an incredible feat to do that and fucking hard. And I appreciate people that, that do it. And you've built this amazing team. Y'all got sick office. Love y'all's, the design of y'all's office. Um, I think you. that it looks amazing. And so, you know, talk a little bit, uh, kind of about, about that. Um, just anyone else that's out there that's bootstrapping, you know, some of the challenges that you've had to work through and how you've overcome those to build a great team and culture and ultimately a product. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, to timestamp this, this episode, congrats to digital walk adders, 2.5 million raised. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, dude. That's awesome. And so, yeah, you, you wrote this post, um, and it was it was interesting because it's it's true. Um, when you're bootstrapping, you might not be able to hire, you know, the best talent because there's going to be a higher you know salary mm-hmm. uh, cap for that. Um, and you actually kind of alluded to that earlier when you're talking about the the talent here in Houston yeah. coming from oil and gas companies. The unit economics didn't work out for you, so you had to get cr- creative. And it's like, okay, I have to go somewhere else to where I can make the unit economics work out. Yeah. And you know, it's everyone's path is different. We got, again, we got lucky. I attribute a lot of this to luck. Um, so, you know, we got lucky in in the sense that we, our customers pay for our business, Mm -hmm. right. And they vote every month. We don't sign contracts. So Mm -hmm. every single customer, um, at midnight is on a month to month contract. That's impressive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tim's, Tim's like, I like living on hard mode. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it can be challenging because, you know, year end is usually when, you know, businesses make decisions whether to try out another year or, you know, go different Looking paths. So, budgets. Yeah. 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 But if, again, just focusing on like the customer experience, like I think creating a cancellation policy that's very easy and mm-hmm. easy to get out of. If you're in a position where you want to cancel with a company, making it more difficult for them is probably not optimal. Yeah. Right. Well, I think one thing that it forces y'all to do is to be customer obsessed. Yes. And, you know, I was reading this um, memo from Jeff Bezos the other day, and he was talking about this day one philosophy that Amazon has. And someone asked what happens on day two. And he said, day two is the day that your company dies. And he's like, the reason that we're always able to be in day one is because we're so customer obsessed that we're constantly innovating because we can always do better to serve our, our mm. customer. And so staying in this day one yeah. mindset and 
the way that you have your contract structured kind of forces you to stay in this day one mindset because you have to constantly deliver value or else you know they're not gonna, they're not going to renew with yeah. you right and so it's kind of this forced customer it, success plan it holds us accountable and it it makes us earn our customers business every single month yeah. and innovate on our services um going back to you know not having to raise we're lucky enough that we haven't yeah. um there's enough orifices to go through as a as an entrepreneur that having to find investors is just one that we haven't needed to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. It's not off the table for the future. It's just we just haven't been able to do it. And I like the freedom. Yeah. Of not having to answer. Like we can we can change our model yeah. operationally and not having not to have to answer to anyone. Yeah. Right? You stay so, fluid. Yep. You can pivot make decisions and we just and did like we just made a huge operational change like a month ago and there's just no one to talk to about that other than us trying things out and being very transparent with yeah. the team on what we're trying yeah no I, I think that's actually one of the biggest benefits of staying bootstrapped is the ability to stay agile and yeah. ultimately do what you want and do the make the decisions that are right for the business that no one knows better than yourself right and so um but yeah you know i just think that there's this huge debate over on Twitter, like what's better bootstrap versus funded. And yes. there's always like, it's not black. It's, it's not, not black. It's not black and white. It's like, yeah, depends on so like so many different variables. And I was like, you know, I've lived through both. It's like, there's pros and cons to both. And really actually kind of, you have to sometimes work backwards and determine what is the outcome. And, you know, it's also like, I'm, I, I think someday I'll start a company that's at the intersection of robotics and AI because some of the companies I'm watching today, like I'm so inspired by them. I'm like, man, this would be fucking cool yeah. to be building this stuff. You can't go bootstrap that. Like no, this is, this is, that. I mean, yeah. deep tech that you need capital to go do. And so, you know, it's just very much depends on, on the business and a million different other variables. But, um, I, what I always do laugh about is the people that are always like, oh, you should just bootstrap or people that have never bootstrapped a company before. And so they don't understand like the pain that you've gone through to, the yeah things so it, i mean look it of course it could be very stressful right um you've been through it too it can be very stressful to yeah have to like you're you're counting on what people on what your customers are paying for so. yeah. yeah but uh, i will say that I, I think you and i have both seen you know startups in the industry when they do get a raise it's almost like the first thing they do is like the, the founders spend too much money and like they sometimes over paper talent and like kudos to people who have gotten great jobs and startups and been able to be a part of that wave yeah but like you know you know if like you might be being overpaid and like yeah you you and i have probably heard some salaries and you're like oh that's not what like yeah you know, if you're I making mean, like 180 as like a junior graphic designer like that's probably out of scope like, yeah there's um i mean there's good markets for knowing you know what what talent should be compensated at right and yeah. it, it does make it tough when you're bootstrapping and you know there's just startups that may have a lot of funding or bigger companies like oil and gas companies that like oh we would you know we need a good graphic designer this midnight marketing company over here has some and yeah. pick them off i was laughing the other day because shell put out an events manager position and i actually told sydney about it and like they're paying like a quarter million dollars like two hundred fifty thousand cash and all the benefits for, 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 a, for a single salary yeah, yeah and it's probably to fucking do like some golf events like probably way less work than what she does here yeah and i told her about that and she's like why are you telling me about this right now and i was like yeah don't leave me please <laughs> was it was it 250 ote or was it 250 um i, I don't remember um 
Yeah, I don't okay. remember if it, but I mean, it was. What 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 is nice about bootstrapping and like you guys have done it up until now, right? Is like, it, it does force you to be very resourceful with minimal resources, and like that's a skill set. Yeah, you know, on my over on my Twitter, I put what are the some of the pros of bootstrapping, and one was. Uh, let me pull up my Twitter real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read up. it for you. Um, one was along those lines. Give me just a second here. It's like you can hear the crickets as I'm looking. So some of the benefits of bootstrapping, limited resources forces creativity. Yeah. Uh, you actually think about the unit economics, what you've done. Um, you organically discover path of least resistant and product commercialization, which you talked about mm -hmm. having these three product lines or services and yep. that you guys found that through feedback loops and then an obvious one is maintaining ownership and control so it's like we talked about all of those did, in this, yeah, in this yeah. episode <laughs> no it's so you know and it's um oftentimes when i reflect on this it's like this was what there was again there was no master plan on this it's just it really is that feedback loop listening to the clients making adjustments we've got it wrong plenty of times man like, yeah. we've had some major screw-ups yeah. with some rep reputable um, yeah. brand names, you know, and it's just, it's, just, it's part of it. Yeah. We're, we're in it for the long game, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. um, it's, it makes us better. Yeah. I mean, you know, for us like this year, like a little disappointed on certain things, really excited on other things. And always, I take a lot of inspiration from Jeff Bezos's memos. So this is the second time I'm going to reference this is all I do in my spare time is read <laughs> Jeff Bezos memos. But remember, um, Actually, no, this is, uh, I've heard Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs both say this, like, we don't care if we have a bad quarter. Like, we're not building a business based on quarters. We're here for the long term. Yeah. And it's all right if you have a bad quarter, if you have a bad year, yeah. if you have, you know, mistakes, bad interactions, like, that's part of it. And you have to zoom out and think about the long term. And a lot of times in the long term, these these little micro things, they, they don't matter. And so, yeah, we're, we're here for the long game. It, it can be challenging. Like, look, the, you know, we've been in business for three and a half years. The first two and a half, we're just like rocket ship, like crazy. Yeah. Right. Like growing so quick. And this last year has been like a reflection year, like really dialing in our workflows because you could have the best skilled people, but without really good workflows and communication, like you can't amplify those efforts. And so now we've been able to do that. Yeah. Um, our leadership team, Katrina, Allison, Rach, Sarah, like they've been so uh, instrumental in making this happen. And now it's the, the system is just so agile and quick. I love um, it. Love it. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we're actually, um, tomorrow we're going for our first session of EOS implementation. Cause like what I've found in building businesses is 90% of the work is identifying the important work and getting everyone on the same page and aligned and executing on that. And then the systems and processes to do it to where you can have that efficiency because I, I've heard some good conversations around like people always talk about speed is important yeah. in startups. But everyone can be going fast in different directions yes. and working against each other. Like what you really care about is velocity because it has a vector. It has a direction. Yeah. And so you want everyone moving fast but in the same direction. And so the only way that you can do that is if you have good systems and processes. The only way that you can delegate and start enjoying your life a little bit is if you have good systems and processes. So, um, you know, I've actually like been really fascinated by y'all's business watching from the outside in, talking to you about the processes that y'all that y'all have because i know like those things are they're hard they're yeah. hard to get right 
in the type of business that you'll have where you're serving different clients, you know, different campaigns, um, different ideation. Like it's hard. Well, it's, it's that, it's like that one saying like behind everything everywhere is chaos. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and cause I mean, even just to your point about velocity and direction, like there are some caveats to that too, right? Like, um, being a startup, being a young company, like you're going to change, you're going to pivot. And the thing is like how much to communicate to your team, because you might say something one month, but then your goals change in a quarter. Like that's very normal. Yeah. But some people are like, well, but you said this. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's hard for some people to reconcile that. And also, I don't know if you saw this building your business, but I learned early on that my words carry weight and I may say something yeah. that I'm not really serious about in a conversation and then mm. team takes it and runs with it because I said it. Yeah. And so I had to start being a little bit more reserved and my thoughts and not just letting everything flow out of my flow out of my mind. Um, and then, you know, same thing. It's like, yeah, you may set, set some goals for the quarter, but I mean, quarter's a long time and startup land. And so things may change the next month. It, it's, we, there were so in, we're so like in tune right now because like, you know, uh, a couple trips back when I was in Montreal, I had said something to one of our team members and one of our leaders like pulled me aside and said, Hey, like when you said this, like, you know, you're not just like one of the one, you know, one of the team members now, now it's like you said something and it like has, it has some repercussions. Yeah. And I didn't think about it. I'm like, I defended it a little bit. I'm like, wait, no, like this person's totally right. Yeah. It's hundred <laughs> percent. And so I'm trying to like get myself away from being in those types of positions or just be more thoughtful with like, you know, your words do have impact. Yeah. More selective and thoughtful of yeah. what words you put out there. And because people are listening, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah, I, I had another conversation with, so when we first opened the office a year and a half ago in Montreal, one of our, um, marketing cords had you know, reached out to me recently and just said, when you gave that, like that speech, like you, I gave like a little just welcome speech to like our, our office and new era, we were only 10 in the office at the time. And, um, he was like, that was so motivating. Like that, like changed my perspective on like the company and, and you, you know, like I didn't think anything of it. I didn't prepare <laughs> a speech and it's like, wow. Okay. So, so going back to your point yeah. too, like, yeah, there's been times where so I just recorded this video that was released at a social octane event. And, uh, it's like a, what, what felt like several hours of footage boiled down to like an hour, like a minute or two, Yeah, but it felt like hours for yeah. me being in that scene. <laughs> and I said so many, like, if, if that footage is released as like, I'm, I'm in trouble. Cause there's so much in there that doesn't even make sense. And it's, it's, you know, it's the marriage of being, you know, being recorded, but who has, also just who like, has the footage. I'm gonna get my hands on it. Oh, uh, one of our video editors. All right. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna back channel. And I said get some like <laughs> silly things, but it's like, I'm also learning to keep things in check and like our, you know, yeah. So, yeah. But what I will say is like the, the team is just going back to like being in Mexico for a year and a half and delegation. The team is just phenomenal. Now it's like, like truly, if something happened to me, like midnight wouldn't die. Business like, keep running. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a year and a half ago, like probably not. But yeah. now, especially now that we have like business development in place and like yeah. things are working in that direction. Yeah, I've been able to remove myself from this. That's awesome. And now really look at like the growth. And now that I'm back in Houston, I feel the rumblings of what's coming. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. I'm sure you're energized being back yeah. here, and you know. This is the energy capital of the world. So lots of opportunity it. here, man. But dude, I'm super pumped to have y'all back here. Um, not just you, you and Macy back in uh, 
back in town. This house looks beautiful. Can't Thank wait you. to come visit it. Yes. Y'all building an office in the backyard? Is that what you're doing? Yes. Dude, I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need a place to work. You can have your office a in little, your A little cave back there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have my little cot like Jake. Like, yeah. Cot. You're like, I'm never leaving. This is my new house. That'll be it. Yeah. Well, dude, if anyone's listening and they want to um, reach out to Midnight, where can they find you guys? Midnightmarketing.com. Easy enough. Midnightmarketing.com. We'll yeah. leave a link to it in the show notes so you guys can check it out in the show notes. You can also find Tim over on uh linkedin instagram all your favorite social media platforms so dude appreciate you coming in man it's yeah. good to good to have you here and you me. yeah if y'all enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend um if you need marketing help in the energy industry highly recommend uh reaching out to tim and the team at midnight marketing catch y'all next week come, 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 come.